You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. It's a good day to be in church, amen? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, like I mentioned, we're going to be starting out our our sermon series titled The Reality of Spiritual Warfare, and I want to give parents a heads up. We're going to be dealing with some serious content that might not be age appropriate for younger children in the toddler age range, and so just wanted to give you that uh, fair warning. Like I said, we kick off our new series, The Reality of Spiritual Warfare, and I want to make sure that I focus on the word reality, because a reality is there are many Christians who are blind to spiritual warfare which blows my mind. And I also want to take a step back and acknowledge two different groups that are probably present here in this room this morning. There's the side of the aisle that says there's no spiritual warfare. Anything spiritual is supernatural. And then on the other side of the aisle, there's team everything is angels and demons. And they're so obsessed with spiritual warfare that they neglect the weightier things of scripture, such as feeding those who need fed and clothing those who need clothing. I want to talk to both groups for a second and ask that we meet in the middle, that spiritual warfare is not something that we obsess about so much so that we lose the focus of the cross. Come on, somebody. But I want to make sure that we acknowledge spiritual warfare, angels, demons, it's real. It's not something that we just take lightheartedly and say that's a part of the scripture that we don't acknowledge because to do that is unscriptural. Amen, church? Are you with me so far? For now. The reality is this, there are various moments in our our lives where I believe even atheists come to the conclusion that spiritual warfare is real. And what I mean by that is, how many of you have ever been to the 9-11 memorial in New York? It's a very odd feeling, because New York is very loud. I could never live in a city. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I could, I could never do it. I remember my wife and I, we went to New York one time, and I remember standing in the middle of Manhattan, and I looked in all directions that I could, and as far as I could see were buildings, and I looked at Kylie, and I said, this is demonic. But New York is a very busy and loud city. There is so much noise. I don't know how you could find peace in New York. And then we came to the 9-11 memorial. And everything got quiet. And when you step on the grounds of the memorial, there's something inside of you that recognizes that life was taken here that something truly evil had taken place. It is an inescapable feeling. And as my wife and I looked around at the faces of people standing along the pit that looks down into what was the foundation of one of the Twin Towers, I remember the only thing that I could hear was crying. And as I looked around, people were so moved by this feeling of tragedy and evil 
and life lost that they began to weep over the names that they read on the plaques and they had no personal relationship with those names. There are moments in our life where something inside of us recognizes this isn't just bad behavior, this is evil. We're living in a time where evil is coming out of hiding in the most blatant ways. And a part of me is refreshed by this because finally people will shut up and stop calling me conspiracy theorist. I say that with love. Sorry, King's James, peace be still. And so we're, we're faced with this reality, and today I want to talk about what is our response to this reality. As the church, we have to acknowledge this, but then what? We can't just go on living saying, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. It doesn't exist. Those days are over. For example, we have shoes like this. We have the Nike satanic shoes where human blood was injected into the shoe. The side of the shoe says 666, satanic symbols and pentagrams are on the shoe. And Nike's response was, we didn't know. I didn't say it, he did. We have other shoe industries like Converse Shoe dedicating one of their shoe lines to Satan and Satanism, saying that they appreciate the pentagram symbol because it recognizes the pursuit of pleasure. We have other circumstances where we are faced with the reality of spiritual warfare. It is inescapable, such as school curriculums that are revolved around praying and chanting to Aztec gods. One chant specifically focused on human sacrifice, and an elementary school was led in this exercise. We have other instances such as satanic monuments being temporarily put outside of government buildings where the Ten Commandments are replaced and the God of Baphomet is instilled to prove a political point. And we have other instances where active shooters, mass shooters, are claiming that they are hearing voices inside of their heads telling them to kill everyone. If this isn't demonic, I don't know what is. And the reality is there's something inside of us when we see and when we read these things that tells us there is something going on that we don't see. That this is the reaction to a cause and the cause is in the unseen. How many of you right now feel uncomfortable? Would you raise your hands? If this made you uncomfortable, would you raise your hands? That feeling is something that God instilled in us. Based off of this reality, we are eternal beings. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Please pay attention to this next portion of Scripture. He has also set eternity in the heart of man. Yet no one can fathom God what he has done from beginning to end. Scripture says that uncomfortable feeling that you get when you see evil, when you encounter evil, when you experience something like this, there's something inside of us that cries out and says, this is wrong. And that reaction is based in the gift that God has given us called spiritual discernment. It's imprinted on our hearts. It is written on our hearts. It is inescapable, although man is in the pursuit of extinguishing this feeling. God has given us an awareness that there's something that exists beyond what we see. And the problem, friends, isn't that we're intrigued by the supernatural. Because if God has instilled an eternity in the heart of man, it is only natural that we would be curious about the supernatural. Agreed? But the problem is when we start seeking other things outside of the Bible to satisfy this curiosity. If we are indeed spiritual, eternal beings, then we must realize and understand that there is indeed a spiritual war happening and the stakes have never been higher. It is one of the most aggressive battles that you will ever face because your eternity is at hand. Meaning the choices that you make as you face this spiritual battle will either pull heaven down in your life or hell up into your life. There's no middle ground in this. We're either cultivating a culture that says, I worship God, I praise God, I seek God, he, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, or we are pulling hell up into our lives and then asking the foolish question, what is happening in our culture? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I want to pause for a second. There is no one like our God. And this battle is already settled. It's a matter of if you and I will make choices that lead us to Christ. We don't even have to fight. He does it for us. I'll come back to that. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spiritual battle that is taking place right here, right now. Spiritual battles are real and it's why preaching is so exhausting. A couple years ago, Kate Ledig, Mike's wife, had preached a sermon for Mother's Day. And she preaches this message, and whenever she's finished, she came to the back of the room and sat down with this blank, exhausted, absolutely spent look on her face. And I smiled and said, welcome to my life. 
And I smiled and said, Kate, it's an exhaustion that few people have felt. Where when you preach, there's a spiritual warfare that's happening in this room right here and right now. And I looked at Kate and I said, you just battled demons. You just battled spiritual warfare. And it's exhausting. But God gives us strength. Amen, church? So my question is this. Do you live a life that acknowledges spiritual warfare? Do you acknowledge what's happening in our culture is not just politics, Democrats, Republicans, left versus right, but that there's something more? And I want to make sure, again, that we take this with a grain of salt because I'll never forget the one time I was working at a church and we had set up a stereo sound system outside in the parking lot just to have music in the background as we ran a fundraiser and it wasn't working. And I remember one guy came up and he starts like performing an exorcism on the sound system. (laughs) Like, calm down, buddy. And he's going, Satan, come out of there. And I'm like, I don't think that you should be calling on Satan. And as he's yelling at this sound system, I walked over to find the issue was it wasn't plugged in. (laughs) Don't be obsessed with spiritual warfare. Acknowledge it, respect it, instill fear and respect God. The focus of our life always needs to be Jesus. If you do live a life that acknowledges spiritual warfare, then the result of this understanding is that it will deeply impact the way that you view the activities that you and your family engage in. If you and I truly believe what we profess to believe, that spiritual warfare is real, then I want, to, I want us to call into question, I want you to take inventory right now, have the, the hobbies and activities that you as a family or as an individual engage in, do they lead you closer to Christ or do they put distance between you and him? If we truly do believe in spiritual warfare, then it means that we're going to evaluate what we engage ourselves in. And I have to be honest. Can I be honest? I'm going to be honest. I fear that the church does not believe in spiritual warfare because I do not see the fruit of that belief. I see the church of the United States throwing caution to the wind and engaging in the most horrible activities, TV series that are just so perverse. I mean, when you have a show literally called Lucifer... What are we engaging ourselves in? And is it pulling heaven down into our lives or is it pulling hell up in our lives? Because friends, we do not have the right to call God into question based off of our decisions. That is a right that is not given to us. And when we reap what we sow, we do not have a right to get offended at God. If you and I truly do believe that spiritual warfare is real, then it should impact the friends that your kids surround themselves with. If you and I truly believe in spiritual warfare, we should really evaluate the curriculum that our students study in school. 
I want us to just look at the curriculum of Darwin for just a second. Evolution, survival of the fittest. Can we just break down survival of the fittest and call it for what it is? Survival of the fittest is a teaching that says kill the weak. And the reality is this. Karl Marx used Darwin's theory to support his views of how social classes struggle. Joseph Stalin frequently quoted Darwin and talked about how he looked up to him. Frederick Nietzsche, a philosopher that inspired Hitler, studied Darwin's theories, and Darwin's theories were the interwoven uh, philosophies that were put into place in Nietzsche's theories, which eventually led to millions and millions of Jews being killed. And this is what we are teaching our kids in schools. But we look at it as a science class. Do we really believe in spiritual warfare? Do we really understand the reality of what's happening? And if we do, and here's my challenge, if your student is going to a public school, please make it a priority to teach them faith-based creation. Give them tools for the battle. And by tools, just to be clear, I mean weapons. Give them weapons to fight. The worst thing that we could do is step back right now and say, it's just a science class. If you and I truly do believe in spiritual warfare, then it should impact the entertainment that we choose. It should impact the podcasts and role models and the people that you open yourself up to learn from and apply their words to your life and and apply them in such a way that you're living off of somebody else's advice. Do we have any guarding principles around the advice that we allow to dictate and determine our life choices? Do we really believe in spiritual warfare? Our scripture is telling us to acknowledge the battle at hand. Finally, be strong in the Lord and and mighty in his power. You have to understand that this call is to be aware. It's not even necessarily to fight. That comes after the awareness. And after all, it makes sense. How can you fight if you aren't aware that you have an enemy? Be strong. It's a call to action. It's a call to be conscious of the spiritual war. It's a call to engage yourself in spiritual warfare. And in this battle, the reality is this. Please hear my words and please hear that I say this in love. In the battle of spiritual warfare, it's the cowards that do nothing that lose. those that look at these evident demonic influences in our culture and say, it's just a shoe. It's just a crazy person. It's just a statue. It's just a science class. And as we make those statements, we become less and less and less conscious of what's really happening. And then we ask, why does our culture look more like hell? The reality is that there's those who will welcome demonic influence into their family because they simply sit idle and put up no biblical guarding principles around themselves. This is a call to action this morning, to awareness. How are you living your life in light of spiritual warfare? I want you to take an inventory for just a second because we're heading into a close more fast than what I anticipated. I want you to take an inventory for a second. The choices that you've made this week, 
have they drawn us closer to Christ or have they put distance between us? How do we live our lives in light of spiritual warfare? The reality is also this, Satan is good at what he does. We can't call him stupid. Scripture says that he's actually really smart and crafty. And so to sit there and mock Satan and call him stupid would be to go against Scripture. He's actually really smart. Definitions that were taught in scriptures that he's a liar and manipulator. Scripture says that he masquerades as an angel of light, that he makes things that are bad seem good and things that are good seem bad. And I think we see the fruit of that in our culture. And his ways often obviously lead to confusion, discontentment, hurt, brokenness, and his ways eventually lead us down the pathway to a very real destination called hell. What causes me more concern is that Christians don't often realize that those who walk away from Christ are often led away. They're manipulated away. They don't consciously wake up one morning and say, I'm going to run towards Satan. It's one decision at a time that leads them so far away. Have you ever been caught in a a riptide? Have you ever been fighting against a current and a river and sure enough, I remember one time I, I, I took a group of students to a river, and I remember me and a couple leaders are sitting there, and we're looking around, we're like, where's Jimmy? Like, he was just, we looked down the river, and Jimmy's a quarter of a mile down going, hey! I'm like, oh my goodness, my reputation right now, I've always brought as many kids as I took back to the church. <laughs> ah, Jimmy! The reality is like he was just having a good time. He was just enjoying life and wasn't paying attention and drifted. And that's often how we end up walking away from Christ. One decision at a time. In this battle of spiritual warfare, we as the body of Christ need discernment. Now more than ever. We need discernment. Discernment is this. Discernment is the ability to think biblically. Discernment is the ability to tell if something is of God or if something is of Satan. Discernment is the ability to say, this is going to lead me closer to Christ. This is going to pull me away. That's discernment. You know, I'm at the season now in my parental life where I can tell the future of my kids. When I see my youngest, Maylee, reaching up for a big pot that's on top of the oven, I know that it's going to end badly. And I'm in this stage now where when one of my girls, I know their intentions and I know that what they're about to do is going to bring harm into their life. And I try, just like all parents frivolously try, to stop it before it happens. Sometimes I'm successful, other times I go into our medic cabinet. And I know that based off of different decisions that they've made before, I can see that the decision that they're about to make is not going to end well. Discernment's kind of like that, but with life. Where we look at life, 
and we recognize if I keep making these decisions, it is not going to end well. Discernment is the ability to say, I hear what this person is saying and it goes against scripture. This will not end well. This will not lead me to a place that God desires me to be. Worship team, would you come? And I also want to say this, biblical knowledge is discernment. Biblical knowledge is discernment. It's a gift that all of us can have. You know how growing up you always had the most talented kids in class and they were given these God-given gifts that, that like nobody else could even have. You're like, that person was just like, they're a freak of nature, man. Like they came out of the womb playing the piano. And they just, they have incredible talents and you're like, oh my goodness, that's something you have to be born with. That's not what this is. Scripture tells us that as you learn Scripture and apply it to your life, that you grow in knowledge, which is also another way of saying discernment. It's a gift that God has given to the body of Christ as a whole. The Word of God, and I also want to say this, the Word of God discerns by a different standard than our own. The Word of God does not discern by what is easiest. Can I hear an amen on that? What is most successful, what will make us look good, what will make us feel good, the Word of God doesn't discern like this, because the Word of God recognizes that what is easiest is not always just. The Word of God often recognizes that success is often the most corrupt, evil thing that a person could have in their life. The Word of God recognizes that discernment, I mean, as far as making choices on the basis of what feels good, please talk to any addict and see what happens when you live your life chasing a feeling. Biblical discernment says this, whatever agrees with Scripture is to be, and whatever is rejected by Scripture is to be rejected. I thank God that he puts things so simple that I can understand them. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts, and yet he communicates to us in a way that is so relatable. And it's just that simple. Whatever is scriptural, we pursue. Whatever is unscriptural, we reject. And that's the standard. And it's that easy. Do you know scripture? And I'm not talking about the ability to quote a scripture and have no idea what the context is because we have plenty of that going on in our culture too. God will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I desire a yacht. May it be in Jesus' name. What that scripture actually means is that when your desire is God, you are fulfilled you have him do we understand scripture I mean truly do we understand the context do we understand what the author was communicating under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit do we understand scripture in a way that we can apply it accurately and articulately to our lives if your answer is no that's okay we're all growing spiritually amen church come on 
We're all at different points. And the beautiful thing is, is that God is an awesome gardener. And he's really good at growing things. And right here, right now in your life, there has never been a better opportunity for growth. Another reason why it's so important to understand God's word is this. God never speaks contrary to his word. He never contradicts what he says. And I want us to understand how powerful this is, just for a second. I want us to understand how powerful God is because then maybe we'll have a deeper understanding and appreciation for his word. God is the only God that has ever been and will ever be eternal. Satan is not eternal. Satan is not eternal. God, he is without beginning and he will never have an end. He is present. You could travel into the abyss of space for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and still God would be with you. He is in the past, he is in the present, he is in the future, and he sees all of it simultaneously. The Bible says in the beginning, God, he was there, is there, will forever be there. He has always been. He stands outside of time. As a matter of fact, God created time. God put limitations on creation because he is God. And only an eternal God could limit something like that. If there's a God who comes along and there's a time and an expiration date on that God, they are not God. But thank God we don't have that concern. He is omniscient. He doesn't learn. He doesn't attain knowledge. He is knowledge. All knowledge is acquired from him. Tomorrow he's not going to learn something new because he already knows it. What we learn comes from him. He is all powerful. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't wear down. He is mighty. He is strong. His power doesn't fade. His power doesn't need recharge. His power is always present and active with him here now. He will never be more strong than what he is right now at this moment. He is always powerful. Everything that we see here on this earth is a result of his power. It came from him. The earth was set into motion. Anything that you see that's powerful, his power is greater, and he has set that thing in power. He is a powerful God. And he gave us power. And this God gave us a manual for life. and it sits in our homes and collects dust. And we lose spiritual battle after spiritual battle after spiritual battle. And then in our arrogance, we put God on a seat of judgment and say, how dare you? God has given us 24-7 access to him and his power. The word of God gives us the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. And friends, I'm here this morning, the action step to this sermon. Get in 
the word of God. Get in his word. The more that you get in his word, the more it gets into you. And if you are going to try and fight the spiritual battle with your extended magazine, Glock 19, you're going to lose. But if you fight this spiritual battle with the knowledge and understanding of who God is, come on somebody. All you have to do is participate. He does the winning. It's that simple. We started off today. Stand firm and strong in God. All you have to do is stand. He does the rest. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed. And I wanna, I wanna throw out a quick invitation without anybody looking around because we recognize that everybody has the right to privacy during these moments where it's just between us and God. But I wanna ask you a question. This morning, I believe that there are those in this room, you've sensed that this is legitimate, that this spiritual war thing that we're talking about, that this is real, which means Heaven and hell are very real places. It also means that a relationship with Jesus is a very real thing. And so in just a second, I'm gonna throw out an invitation. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ, I wanna give you the opportunity right now because friend, there is no decision in your life that will be this important right here, right now. And I want to throw out the invitation, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Christ, I've never dedicated my life in such a way where I say I am a follower of Christ in his lifestyle, if you've never said an invitation where you're like, I know that my eternity is settled, if I were to die here today, that I would be in heaven with Jesus for the rest of eternity. If you don't have, if you've never said a prayer like that, I want to give you an opportunity to make that commitment, to enter into that lifestyle and that pursuit of Jesus so that you can fight this spiritual battle with Jesus and not on your own. And the most beautiful thing about that statement is Jesus is on the winning side. And so I'm going to ask if there's anybody here today and you say, I want that confirmation. I want to know that I am pursuing Christ, that I am steadfast in him, that this spiritual warfare, I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear Satan. I don't have to fear this, th these things that are coming up in our culture because I know that my God is greater. If that's you here this morning, would you just put your hand up and then put it right back down? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Is anyone here this morning say, I want that, I want that understanding. I want that knowledge. I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Is there anybody else you say, I, I, want, I want to know that I am his, he is mine, that my eternity is steadfast. Friend, this is the most important decision to follow Jesus you will ever make in your life. Waiting just another moment for anybody else. I see your hands, you can put them right back down. Is there anybody else? We're not going to call you out, we're not going to embarrass you. Waiting just another moment moment.
church, I'm going to ask, would you, would you repeat this prayer after me? And for those of you who are praying this for your first time, it's not my words that matter. It's your heart's intention. So would you please repeat after me boldly, loudly, dear Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Help me to live for you. Would you give me peace of eternity? Help me to love you more each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give a shout out, a round of applause for those who've given their hearts to Christ? Absolutely awesome. If this was your first time committing your heart to Christ, or maybe you're, you've fallen away from Christ and this is a rededication moment, I want to challenge you to get in contact with Gary. Gary, would you wave your hand real quick? Gary oversees our new believers class and he would love to talk to you about what it means to be a dedicated follower of Christ so that we make sure that we live this thing out together. For everybody else here, you're like, Pastor, my eternity is set. May we seek the gift of discernment and find this gift in his word. Amen, church? Would you bow your heads once more as we close out with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over each and every individual here this morning, God, those who are, who are struggling and even those who are going through a really good season and everything is great, would you equip this room for spiritual warfare? God, may we hear the armor clanging. Lord, I just pray that you would equip your church for such a time as this because we recognize it's not a matter of if you've given us the weapons necessary. It's a matter of if we will stand up and engage in the battle before us. So, Lord, I pray this week for testimonies to arise out of C3 Church, of devotional times that are life-changing, of prayer encounters that are life-changing. Help us, Lord, to grow in the gift of discernment so that in these last days we can recognize easily what is of you and what is not of you. And we would be able to, therefore, pursue you in a whole new, pure way. Now, Jesus, would you go with us, protect us, watch over us, help us, Lord, to display your love to those around us, we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said? And everybody shouted? Oh, come on. Everybody shouted? Amen. God bless you as you go. The Lord's going with you. We'll see you Wednesday night. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.